Hi, welcome to Bovine Science with BCI. I'm Brad White here today with Dr. Bob Larson, who teaches theriogenology here at the Veterinary School. We're going to talk herd health topics. Hi, Bob. Hey, good morning, Brad. Happy to have you with us. And as we go through some of these, and Bob, one of our goals with doing these is to be able to talk about topics that will be useful on the ranch. And we're focused so far on a lot of Therio topics. The one we're going to hit today is a big one. And you and I have both had this question. We've dealt with it at different times. And it's relative to, should I do a pre-breeding exam on heifers that I have saved my replacement heifers? And I think it's a great question and one that there's a lot of aspects to, but I'm just going to start out by asking you, should I do one? I'm going to say generally, yes. And there's a couple of places where I think it's particularly important. One place is if I'm going to use synchronization in AI, I think it's really important to do a pre-breeding evaluation so that I, again, maybe remove some heifers that are unlikely to conceive and that because that's a relatively costly intervention and why waste it on heifers that are unlikely to conceive. So, and you could even find some that are free Martins, some that have something else wrong yep. with them, or every time you and I have done them, pregnant. Yeah, there's a pregnant one in there even. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's one reason. The other place is if I buy a group of heifers that I want to bring in as replacement heifers, I would, again, screen through those uh, kind of as you approach the breeding season, and you will avoid spending time, money, and effort on heifers that are kind of a bad bet to actually conceive and do well. And so I think those situations I would very strongly recommend a pre-breeding evaluation. I'm actually becoming more convinced that this is, if anybody's heard me talk, I really think that a pre-breeding evaluation of the bulls is essential. I'm becoming more and more convinced that maybe the pre-breeding evaluation of the heifers is also important because it tells me something about those heifers, but it also tells me something about the herd and the management of the herd and helps me catch things like uh, the nutrition either from birth to weaning or weaning to breeding or the calving distribution, how many calves are actually born early enough to have a chance to be a good replacement heifer. Okay. So you've been, and I totally agree. I think doing the pre-breeding exam on heifers is a great idea. It has to fit into your program, which we're going to talk a little bit about in a minute, but I want to address first, what do you mean by a pre-breeding exam? You're talking about evaluation of the reproductive tract. Yes. So what that involves is I get a weight at the time I'm doing the evaluation. I get a pelvic measurement, just use a rice pelvimeter, height and width, and I palpate the reproductive tract. Basically, I'm evaluating the uterus and the ovaries. With the ovaries, I'm looking for either a large follicle or a, a CL, a corpus luteum. And with the tract, it's kind of a subjective assessment of um, thickness of the wall of the uterus, size of the uterus, those types of things, which are indicative of where she is in her growth and close, how close she is to puberty or past puberty. So I like how you describe that because both of us previously would collect, and there was Colorado State score that was one to five mm -hmm. and had specific findings that you would feel for. And we've switched and there was, it's detailed in a paper, uh, Jesse Monday wrote and Dr. Laughlin, who was here, did a, a lot of the work on. And basically we've switched from that one to five scale to basically a three scale, right? She's a problem. Mm -hmm. She's not ready to breed now, or she's ready to breed now. Right. That's exactly right. And we really like the simplified program because one of the things we found is when, when we compare scores, say, between you and I or between me and other veterinarians, when you have a five-point scale, there's more places where we disagree. But if you come down to the action steps, the action steps are this heifer is ready to breed today. This heifer 
doesn't really have anything wrong with her, but I don't think she's cycling today, or this heifer's a problem. And the problems are our pregnants, free martins, immature tracts, small pelvises, anything that is a problem gets thrown into a problem. And then that really aligns with my action steps. The problems are not going to be breeding heifers. The ready to breed are ready right now. And then my only decision is those in the middle. And I'm, then I might look at things like age, the, the time from how, how many days between when I evaluated them and when we want to start breeding, those types of things. Then I'll give herd to herd different advice based on the situation. Which is the other thing that both you and I have kind of shifted is previously we would do pre-breeding exams six weeks before, eight weeks before you get on the edge. Those heifers are pretty young if you're trying to mm -hmm. cab them at 24 months of age, but you can do them right up to pretty close to breeding, especially if I want to put an AI program in place, then I've got that ready to breed population that I could go ahead and you're saying they're ready to synchronize right now. Yeah. And I have to really tip my hat to some of the faculty in the vet school here that are out doing field service, working with clients. And between they and their clients, they really settled on this. Let's do the pre-breeding examination at the time we're putting our cedars in if we're using a cedar type synchronization protocol. And the positive aspect of that is in some of these cattlemen were using relatively expensive semen and they had enough heifers that they were willing to do some culling at that point. And if we say that they're ready to breed the day we're putting the cedars in, our success to that AI conception is really good. You know, so you've got the best. And then what do you do with those intermediates? Well, a lot of the producers, and again, there's some producer-to-producer -producer differences, they'll turn them in with the cleanup bulls right then. You know, yeah. so that It doesn't may, mean they're not going to breed. No, because a lot of them are actually pretty close to puberty. Yeah. And they may, and this is where there's some differences between producers, those are the heifers that might kind of benefit from a jump start from the progestogen in the cedar. And if you want to take a risk on some of those heifers that aren't cycling today, the day we plan to put the cedars in, but I like their weight, I like their age, whatever else, you can take a chance on those. And a fair number of them will conceive. Or give them a progesterone supplement of either MGA or the cedar, and then that's that. You don't have to AI them, right? You could put them in, the in with the bulls now, but you got to have enough bull power. Yep, bull exactly. Off. So what we're saying is there's some ways by using this evaluation right at the front of the breeding season, uh, you can kind of fine-tune individuals and groups of heifers. I'm trying to control costs but get the best bang for, you know, the genetic buck that I'm spending by spending a little bit more time evaluating those heifers and putting them where they're most likely to succeed. And then any of the problems, and in many herds, there's not that many problems, kind of depending on, you know, where the heifers came from and all those kinds of things. But let's just move them into being stalker feeder heifers. Now, the problem with doing the pre-breeding exam very close to the start of synchronization or at the start of synchronization is I have no time for a course correction if my major issue is that the heifers are too light. Because if they're too light, they're not going to get to their appropriate breeding weight and I've got no time to course correct. One potential solution is I try to sort that out earlier. Yeah. What you just mentioned is exactly why I still do for some herds and I used to almost uniformly recommend doing this breeding soundness exam, say six weeks out. And it's because that if we're behind with six weeks, if I can push them to a diet where they're gaining two pounds a day, well, that's put a hundred pounds on them in, in six weeks. Uh, and that can make a big difference to these heifers. The reality is what I found was a lot of herds were either already great or we were kind of too far. There weren't enough herds in that sweet spot where making that discovery six weeks out was the game changer. Usually we were more than six weeks behind or we were already fine. 
And so that's kind of why I moved towards more herds where we do the evaluation at the time we start a synchronization program. Which brings up the topic of weight. So we, I just said at weight or they make weight, but I have seen reports out there that will say heifers should be anywhere between 56 and 65% of their mature body weight, which that 10%, 9, 10% swing is huge on a heifer, right? So how much do they need to weigh? Yeah, this is a topic that kind of makes my head hurt because it's a little bit complicated when you start thinking about what we're saying. We're saying that as a group of heifers, they weigh 55 or 65% of what the average of the mature cows weigh. Well, that's an average of an average applied to an individual. And so we've lost a lot of precision. If I was, Because most of our cow herds are not that uniform Oh, there's hundreds of pounds differences. Between mature our, cows. And so you look at that and say, well, of my heifers that are in front of me, their mature weights are going to vary by hundreds of pounds. And so picking 1%. So what I tend to do, and that's why I like getting a weight at the time we're doing the pre-breeding exam, is... When I get done, I can look at it and say, well, what is the weight of the heifers that are cycling? And that becomes my target weight for this herd. And I think that's So you weight- look at your weight as which heifers are cycling in my pre-breeding exam, and that gives me an idea of what do I need to shoot for in this herd. Yeah. And one of the ways we, we talk about being careful about what you're selecting for when you're selecting for heifers. So in this way, in a commercial herd, there's some value of bigger cows, but there's also a cost with bigger cows. And I may want to put some selection pressure on that. And if you think about the biggest cows in the herd, their heifers are going to need to be the heaviest weight to reach puberty. And if I manage that group as a group from weaning to first breeding, those are the heifers that are actually likely to be below the percentage of what it takes to. And so I'm actually putting some selection pressure against cows being too big because we're targeting the middle. We're targeting that middle weight of the weight of heifers that reach puberty and And I think that's a, and and if you had more information, so you had their dam's weight and you had that, you could get into even more careful selection. But when we often herds, we don't have mature cow weights. And so we're using group averages and things like that. This is a way to kind of put some selection pressure on moderate sized cows. Probably not the smallest, probably not the biggest. Okay. So you didn't really answer my question. I said between 55 and 65, and you said, I'm going to go with the weight of the cycling heifers. However, I'm going to pin you back down because I want to know when I wean those heifers this fall, I got to have a target weight that I'm going to plug in to create my ration. So now... What, okay. What's your target weight? I love doing this. You're not going to answer the question, are you? I am a bench. <laughs> I, I can see you're not going to answer the question. Not a, I'm going to put the weight of the heifers last year that reached puberty. That's my target weight for this year if I have that information. But let's go to the percent thing. So the concept to me is what do I want these heifers to do? So if I'm going to do a synchronization program and I'm going to you know, and I want as many bred to the synchronization as possible because I'm going to put them in my herd or maybe I'm even going to sell some leftovers somewhere else. I'm going to aim at the higher end of that. So maybe 65% of mature weight, trying to get as many cycling as possible when I'm going to institute this AI. And I'm going to think of another rancher that I can think of who wants to put selection pressure on the heifers to moderate mature cow size. Well, then I might shoot for 55% or something like that. Now, because that puts strong selection pressure on early maturity, at least by weight, and that puts selection pressure on smaller cows. But it's okay to, you're, you're going to have to feed those heifers differently because I've, I've talked to folks, and you have too, that we, while we want the 
cows in our herd to survive on our available resources. Absolutely, I do too. Absolutely. However, heifers are not small cows. It's a, it's a different animal, a different stage of life. And planning what they need to do as they go through to get to breeding, it's okay that you're going to put a little more weight on them than just them sustaining on what's out there in the field. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, uh, you know, where we live in central Kansas, dormant forage, you know, the nutrient quality of dormant forage can be sufficient or close to sufficient with just a little supplementation for an adult cow that is not growing and is not lactating. But we've got these growing heifers, and they will not perform well. They won't reach the weight gain I need on dormant forage alone. So they're going to need some supplement. So then the question, that when you are asking about, well, what's my target weight, it's really how much supplementation. And it's either a little or a moderate amount. It, it's almost never a lot, in my opinion. But it depends a little bit on the forage quality because we're basing it on, well, how bad is the dormant forage, whether it's hay or standing dormant forage. And then am I going to target maybe a little less than 1.5 pounds a day? If I target that, and I'm this is generality, so you need to go back to the herd specifically. But if I'm going to aim for kind of that lower level, well, I'm going to have more selection pressure on the herd, but fewer of them are going to reach puberty by the time I want to breed them. If I'm going to go over 1.5, so maybe one and three quarters, even getting between one and three quarters and two pounds a day gain, well, then I'm going to get closer to that 65% of mature body weight, and I'm going to have a lot more heifers reach puberty and get bred early in that calving or in that breeding season, but I haven't put as much selection pressure on lighter weight at puberty. Okay, so I'm going to go back to, we talked about, you You basically said three things in your pre-breeding exam, uh, reproductive tract score, which you're going to score on a three-point system. They're ready to breed, they're intermediate, or they're a, a problem weight which we just talked a lot about but the third one we kind of glossed over and sometimes you'll get some pushback on this one you said you're going to measure the pelvises oh the pelvises the, the reason that i'm only a moderate fan of pelvic area measurement and one is because bigger is not better because when you select for a large pelvis yes that heifer has a large pelvis and she has the genetics to throw calves with a large pelvis. The, the primary cause of dystocia in heifers is mismatch between fetal and dam size. Exactly right. But what we know from research is just bigger is not better at pelvic measurement, but really small is bad. Yeah. That, that I'm comfortable saying. And so I don't put a lot of selection pressure on trying to get bigger and bigger pelvic area, but I am looking for those, and it's usually relatively few heifers that seem oddly small or a little bit misshapen well it's the i think it's because pelvic measurement has in the past at times been interpreted as a singular measure and you can't interpret it by itself so a heifer with a small pelvis that's cycling is a problem a heifer with a small pelvis that's not cycling or a ways from cycling i have no idea she hasn't gone through puberty yet and that's especially true back when we were saying that if we're doing our pre-breeding examination you know six eight weeks ahead of the breeding season in, in a one and a half to two months those heifers can change a lot their skeletal size and things like that but you have to interpret the pelvic measurement in light of yeah, everything agree. else exactly. her weight her track score the one none of those is a singular yeah. yes she's a great heifer the, con the one that concerns me the most is a heifer that's cycling and she has a small pelvis yes. she's already gone through puberty and she's got a small pelvis she's definitely a problem and needs to be identified so as we think about putting these things together, so we've got our pre-breeding exam and you said definitely yes, and I could do it close to the time or 
I could do it a little bit further ahead if I need to. Anything else I need to think about at that pre-breeding exam time? And I'm thinking here, vaccines, parasite control, any other health procedures that I want to do at the time of the pre-breeding right, exam. I'm going to answer your question first, and then I'm going to answer a different question. So the first one is, a lot of times when we're doing this pre-breeding exam, that is a good time to do you know, a deworming or a vaccination or something like that. Except we just said that I've moved my pre-breeding exam a lot closer to breeding. And in those situations, I'd prefer to move my vaccinations a little bit earlier. So that might be working the heifers through and doing a vaccine and a wait or something back two months before the breeding season and get that value, but not necessarily do my pelvic measurement, my track scoring at that time. And then the day I'm doing my track scoring, try to not do too much else. I, I'm not opposed to deworming, but maybe we did that earlier as well. Yeah. All right, now I'm going to answer the question that you didn't ask, which was the one other piece of information that I think is critical, critical, is age. We look at so many data sets of heifers, and those that were born, and, and again, so I'm going to assume that we're going to breed the heifers at about the same time of the cow herd that generated them, or a little bit earlier, you know, three to four or five weeks earlier than the cows. In order for that to work, those heifers need to be born in the first two 21-day periods, the first 42 days. And the ones born in the first 21-day periods, when we look at who actually conceived early in the breeding season for those heifers, it's the oldest heifers. And that's just consistent over time as, as, as a group statement. Now, there's some exceptions that I also like to find. I like to find those heifers that were born early that seemed to be immature or didn't conceive, and I'm prejudiced against them because they were old enough to do well. And you'll find, and everybody remembers those heifers that are younger than the group average, and they conceived early and did great. Kudos to them. But their group, their cohort, the late-born cohort, are a poor bet. I, I just finished with a couple of different herds where we looked through. And basically, in the herds that I was working with, if the heifer wasn't born in the first 42 days, there was only about a 20% chance that she would conceive to an AI mating, you know, a synchronization in AI. And so the, those heifers that did obviously reached puberty at a very young age, and there might be some value in that. But I don't want to spend a lot of money on a group of heifers where 80% of them are not going to get pregnant in the first 21 days of the breeding season. Absolutely. And we've talked about the role of genetics, other aspects in reproduction and getting those heifers bred. But I've said before, the calendar in this case appears to be hereditary, right? So if you're born early, you're more likely oh, to you, get bred early. You've got a huge advantage. So absolutely. Great information here on the pre-breeding exam in heifers. We both think it's a great idea. There's lots of components to it. A great service to get those heifers bred early because that's going to follow them through the entirety of their life. We'll post. We talked about an article on here. We've got a couple other things on heifers that we'll, we'll put up. Thanks, Bob. You bet.